Welcome to Women Talking Soccer. I'm your host, Carrie Taylor. The goal of this podcast is to amplify the voices of all women who love the beautiful game. Whether you're on the field, cheering from the stands, work in the business, want to be in the business, or are a passionate change maker, your voice is important. This podcast is presented by Women in Soccer. Women in Soccer is a network of women and allies involved in our favorite sport. You can join Women in Soccer for free online at womeninsoccer.org. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Women Talking Soccer. I am super excited today to have Samantha Johnson on. And what you need to know, it's 6 a.m. in Australia. So, Samantha, you are a rock star. And thank you for getting up early to share your story to our listeners. So, um, can you just start like a little bit of background about yourself and maybe how you came to, to play this great sport? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and thanks for having me on. Um, actually, okay, so I'm from Palmdale, California, originally, uh, born and raised there. I started playing soccer when I was five. Um, I don't really have a childhood memory without a soccer ball or soccer in my life. Um, it's, Hilarious. So it's been around as long as I can remember. And then I played the majority of my um, career in California. And then so I went to college at USC and you know, done my club and everything in California, SoCal. And then I moved to Chicago um, 2014 to become a professional, tried out for the Red Stars and then um, got traded a few years later, like four or five years later, and then went to the Utah Royals. And then um, retired in 2019, um, and then came out of retirement in 2020, and now I'm in Australia playing for Melbourne City. <laughs> well, that is an amazing um, career, and I, I'm currently in California, so I'm based in San Diego, so I know the Palmdale area. Can you talk about like what it was like, yeah. you know, as a as a youth player who had some success with the youth national teams and, and what it was like to to maybe choose what college you wanted to go to and, and kind of, you know, what that process was like? Yeah, um, it was an interesting process. So when I played, I played locally when I was a kid, like in Palmdale area, played for, um, gosh, none of these clubs are around anymore, but um, a <laughs> club called AV Sharks. <laughs> And then like AV Heat or, you know, just in local clubs. And then we were at this tournament getting like absolutely smashed by, by these amazing teams. And then this guy um, kind of discovered me and told my mom that I should a different team because of the, the level that I was playing at should match obviously the level of my teammates. So he thought like he saw something in me, I guess, and um, told me that I should play for Real Socal or come to the, the tryout or get connected with the coach there. So I did, and then I ended up moving um, clubs, I think just the season after that. Um, and basically that that was when I was at a very critical time in development. So that was when I was like maybe 12 or 13, mm -hmm. um, just before high school that I went to Real Sacral and I played all my high school years there under a coach named Christy Walker. And that pretty much opened up all the doors. Like every that because when you're 12 13 you kind of figure out like which way you're going to go with the game you're either going to you know stick with it or, or you figure out like okay I mean I'm really good or whatever so when I got on this team I pretty much got discovered all around so at the time uh, 12 13 
you know, 14 going on 15. Then I get asked to go to a, like a national team camp when I was 15 years old because someone had gotten injured, I guess. And I was just kind of just there just to replace an injury, <laughs> but then I ended up staying in the national team system um, for, for my entire youth career, which is, I was literally an accident. And I think because maybe I was just the kind of the only one that was local or available slash maybe good enough at the time to just kind of fill in for the person that got injured at the camp. Um, I didn't even know what the national team was, to be honest. <laughs> um, but my coach Chris Faulkner said, come to the Home Depot Center at the time, Arson and train. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I did. And then, but at that time you weren't supposed to just go on the national team. Like you're supposed to like play state and then regionals and then all this other steps. I just kind of skipped all that and just got on the national team when I was a kid. And then that opened up doors for me to get recruited to go to USC. And I committed to USC really young. I was a sophomore in high school when I told them I was going to come there. So when you were young, did you ever think you'd be a professional soccer player? It, it sounds like it just, you know, like it just kind of happened and, and you, you were, you were good and you know, you were there at the moment, but did you, in the back of your mind, did you ever at some point go, yeah, like I want to do that. Um, when I was really young, I did like literally like 10, 11, 12, I said that. Um, and I, because I was watching like the women who are pros the national team then and I think we had the WPS around and things like that so I did you know say on my school project like yes when I grow up I want to be a professional soccer player but I didn't actually really think that when I went to college like I was like no like after college I and in between my the four years I was at college the league had folded anyways mm -hmm. even a professional league locally like domestically in, in America so it wasn't something that I was striving for at all like I accidentally just kind of fell into it when um, the end of his cell came out, like literally the year I graduated college. So I think the first year was 2013, but obviously the preparation for it was in 2012, my last year at, at USC, but I had no desire to become a professional. I was like, no, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Definitely not going overseas. It just didn't seem like it was like a viable option, nor did I really want to play anymore, I, I thought. And my best friend who, who went to UCLA, actually, she had gotten drafted first overall. And she was on the Red Stars, the Chicago Red Stars um, in 2013. And obviously, like anything new, like team probably wasn't that great or whatever, you know, it's a new league. So she told, asked me to try out for the Red Stars. So that's mm -hmm. how, exactly how I got there in 2014. So I took basically retired or took a year off from soccer because I was like, no, I'm done. Like after college, you know, normal people just get a job or whatever. Right. So I tried that and in 2014. I tried out and I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like you like to take risks and you're not afraid to just like put yourself out there and go, okay, like whatever happens, happens like with the national team or, or with trying out. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's good to, to have that risk taking and have that confidence. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it, you know, at the time, what it was like when the league was first starting, I know there was, you know, highs and lows and positives and you've, you've been at, you know, two different teams, you've been overseas. So like, you know, kind of like a day in the life or the perspective or for the listeners who don't know what it's like to, you know, play professionally. Can you give some insights yeah. a little bit? 
Right. And obviously this is just my experience, but um, yeah, it was such, it was such a grind. It like, wasn't even funny. Like it was actually like, when I look back, it was, it is kind of comical, like what I had to go through. So like when I got to the Red Stars, so it's an open tryout situation. So I pay a hundred dollars. First of all, you know, fly to Chicago in like February, March, which it's freezing by the way. <laughs> yeah. And Chicago is north. not, not warm <laughs> time of year. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Especially coming from Cali. You're a Cali girl, you know? (laughs) And then I get there and like, fast forward, obviously, like make the team or whatever. And like the the normal season, you know, starts around like April, March or whatever. So preseason is in March. So I make the team and then they don't even have like somewhere for me to live. So Mm. I'm sleeping on the couch with my teammates in their team apartment because they're like oh we're trying to find you like a host family or the housing situation I'm like okay like whatever it's so ridiculous it's not funny like I'm playing games like starting and playing games and, and sleeping, sleeping on the couch, on the couch. <laughs> and I'm like huh <laughs> and then finally they got me a host family like shortly after that and then I'll never which is in Naperville like kind of a ways outside the city so which which was great because that was a sick setup and I was and the family's still like my family today like they're amazing and then um so I did that for a couple years which was my housing set never forget the feeling that I had when I saw my first paycheck and I was like this is a joke (laughs) I was like this is actually a joke it was like real talk I love this dollars and I was like I was like, there's no chance I just left California. And like, not that I had a real job. I was like popping bottles at this club, but I was just like, (laughs) I was making so much money there. And then I was like, I left LA to come play soccer for $800 a month. This is a joke. You know what I mean? I was like, and I actually play like by accident, but like I, I play. (laughs) It's like, this, this is terrible. $800 a month. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay like what is happening so I was just like oh I don't know about this guys immediately I was like this is this is terrible yet so that like I love the real talk and that's that's I think what you know everyone kind of needs to to understand is is that you know women's soccer the standards still need to improve as far as pay as far as housing all of that um but for some reason we still love to be involved in it and we still come back to it. So how, you know, how have you seen it change from that first experience in Chicago to maybe Utah? I don't know what your experience was there, but to where you're at now, because you said you, you retired and I, I happen to know your agent, Maggie, she's my agent too. So, you know, it was, it was great to see that you're back in the game, um, but how, how has, how have you seen like professional women's soccer kind of evolve with, you know, since 2014 and where do you, where do you want it to go? Like in a perfect world? Yeah, well, I can't, I mean, I, it's stupid to speak like generally, because obviously if I say, oh, it's evolved in this way and then someone else's experience is completely different. Right. So you have to ask people like, you know, hopefully people that you ask give you the real of their experience because yeah. that helps get a perspective on like what we go through on a daily basis, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously evolved. Well, clearly it's evolved financially over time for me. Obviously, you kind of work yourself up the ranks. But um, in terms of like the resources and stuff, like 
it was it was a bit of a hood rat setup in Chicago at first because we were sharing the facility with like this club team that my coach owns um and it was just kind of like not what you expect from a professional soccer mm-hmm. environment you know what I mean like getting dressed in like the basement of like something you don't have right. showers afterward you gotta do your own laundry type of thing like just like a real like grind you know mm-hmm. like a serious grind and then yeah. obviously like we worked our way up and then a few years after that we got to Toyota Park which is in Bridgeview which is a different stadium I don't know what it's called now but whatever whoever bought that but yeah so it's kind of like okay now we're in the stadium with the men you know what I'm saying and like right. we're we have our own locker room and things like that you're like I can shower but, after um, a game how amazing yeah like our coach is like, is it really important for you guys to shower after training? I'm like, um, oh, kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like just a little bit. And I don't really want to wash my own stuff. Like, oh my God, like obviously college is different level because the money seems endless. So you can have whatever you want, but it's just like, when you think about, oh, I'm a prof-, like you would not, ima- you would not say like you would come to our environment because we were like, we don't feel like professionals. And all we wanted to really feel was professional. So it's like, okay, we can't really do anything about the financial aspect because we understand like, you know, the economical structure of that is a bit difficult. You can at least give us resources that make us feel like the environment is professional, you know? So that was pretty much our argument, <laughs> but it's much better now. And obviously when I went to the Royals, it was like, you like I made it pretty much because it was like you had everything that you're supposed to have mm-hmm. you come in you get breakfast you you know have your own locker room everything that's yours that you need to succeed and pretty much do your job so which is exactly what professionals are supposed to have you know regardless of the whole money thing yeah and I you know I think that's that's the key thing when we talk about women's equality and and having those standards that the men get you know and and we a lot of times as women, we, we get put off as kind of second class with, with, you know, I remember back in the day, way long ago, before any of the leagues, like I was playing in a, it was, I think it was called the USWISL and the owner walked over and tried to hand me a $20 bill and said, here's your gas money for the year. And I was like, you know what, you can keep it because like $20, that's, that's not going to do it. But, you know, I'm playing for the love of the game back then. Um, so can you talk about, your your journey from retiring to getting back into the game and going to Australia and kind of why you did that and and your experiences um, in Australia. Yeah, so um, in twenty, so I played W League, which is what I'm doing now mm-hmm. um, because it's a, the usual off season routine. So it's from October usually to February, which fits perfectly in the off season of the end of a cell. So that's what we do. Um, so I was playing W League 2018, 2019. And I just knew like this was going to be my last year because I was like, I just cannot be, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> like I don't like the every day of being an athlete. Like all I want to do is, you know, finish my school, my schooling, kids, develop a school for kids who need you know different learning styles and stuff like that like I I was just really focused on like what I know I want to do off the field and soccer was just kind of like man I don't get paid that much anyway so it's not like I, I can only go up and right. from and from an economical standpoint you right know? right I was just like done with the grind of it and then I knew and I knew that in W League because I was having so much fun in W League that I was like oh this would be a great time to retire and then I knew when I got back to NBC I was just going to be a drag like I was on 
no, I wasn't on the best team in the end of style, but I was on the best team with the best facilities, right? Mm-hmm. Standards. So it's not like I had anything to complain about, but I just knew I was like, I just don't think I can, I can do this anymore type of thing. But it was a World Cup year. So in a World Cup year, it's usually always very difficult for all teams because they lose their players, obviously, mm-hmm. to go off to play the World Cup. So everyone's kind of scrambling and trying to piece together an 11 right. um, to get through, you know, June, July era so I knew that so I was like okay well in my brain I'm thinking like I knew the first day I showed up to training in preseason 2019 I was like this is not going to be I'm there's no way I can last until October (laughs) because we show up in March I was like there's no way I can fake this until October Mm -hmm. so I just told my coach basically that I didn't want to play anymore but I would stick around until the girls from the world cup got back so you know because I play center back so it was kind of like an awkward position to be like bye yeah you know peace I mean? out figure and it so out with like Becky, <laughs> yeah. like Becky and and Rachel gone at the time I had to kind of hold down the fort so I did my best and then after that I was like I can't I'm dead and my coach was so supportive she's like I understand I was like I just like don't feel it's respectful to like myself slash the game to just show up and like fake it which yeah. I absolutely could but it's a lot of effort and I just feel like doing that you know yeah. so I was like bye and then I was just like, I just want to go help the kids. So I went back to Chicago and started trying to do that. <laughs> so you mentioned um, a school or your, like, what's your interest off the field? Can you talk about like what, what like speaks to your heart and what your initiatives are, you know, post playing career and, and right, right. Yeah. So basically in a bigger picture nutshell, I'm going to develop a school, um, that gives kids opportunity to just learn the way they learn. So, and just basically removing the kids who like have behavior problems, the kids who may be diagnosed with something, not necessarily SPED, but I'll have SPED in my school, but like something that's not as um, severe as maybe special education needs, but they just have some different um, differentiated support that's needed. And then then also, especially the kids that come from Juvie, Um, who can't necessarily go back into their traditional learning environment, they'll just come to my facility and get um, their school done there pretty much. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the school one in Chicago and one in Palmdale where I'm from. That's amazing. So how are you, are you looking for investors? Are you setting up it as a foundation? Like what's 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 the the long no it's not a foundation it's not it's not necessarily like charity pretty much it's like a proper school like it'll be a private school okay that that's Mm a that's amazing how did like how did how did you come to to that realization that that's what your calling is was it a certain experience in your life or did you like in college did you like is there anything that you're Um, like yes this is what I want to do and and it's amazing and, and like the fact that that you're you're gonna put a school in your hometown, like kudos to you because that that's just that's fantastic. Yeah, there wasn't really like a specific moment. Um, this idea or this kind of yeah, idea evolved over time. So I did a lot of volunteering and community stuff in Chicago. I'm just really like involved in that aspect. So I think I just kind of figured out and then based on where I'm from, mm-hmm. like how I grew up there and like the type of kids that grow, grow up in Palmdale. Like, I think I just figured out like that the system of education doesn't really cater to weirdos, basically. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not, like, non, I'm definitely one of the people that's like, 
yeah, like whatever, you know what I mean? I'm just like, no one wants to deal with the kids that I care about, you know what I'm saying? And they just kind of like shuffle them along. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, like there's actually a school kind of similar, I guess it's more of like, I don't know what it's called, the type of school. I mean, it's a charter school, but it's specifically for kids who get removed from their school because of behavior problems or whatever. And they get on like, it's like a short time and then they can kind of graduate out of this program, go back to normal school. Like, no. Like this just need, they just need to be removed completely and just deal with people who more so like understand their circumstances. And it's more about understanding their life circumstances and that they're just not probably on the same path, but they, they could be on a successful path, but it just, their roads are going to, are going to look different on a general path. So, I mean, I think it's fine to be removed from traditional school and like not be ashamed about, about it. You know what I mean? Like people just need different type of support. And I'm, I've, just been the only person to come across the genuine like actually authentically cares about this demographic of kids who like come out of juvie and obviously like have a hard time going back into normal school and I've read tons of research on obviously the number one problem is that their behavior and certain you know kids or demographics have certain levels of behavior that teachers just can't handle so I'm like okay I'll take them (laughs) you know what I'm saying so yeah, I definitely, I mean, I definitely know what you're saying. And, and that's the thing, like, you know, we, we tend to put people in boxes and like, this is the way that you should learn. And this is the way that, that you should do things. And everyone's different. And, right. and, and like, you're, you're spot on, like understanding how kids learn, how, you know, not everybody can read a book and retain it. Some people are visual learners. Some people need one-on-one instruction and, and that's, I used, I used to be a high school teacher back in the day. So, so I, I definitely understand, you know, where yeah. you're, where you're coming from on that. And you're, you're absolutely right. And a lot of, you know, the socioeconomic situations, a lot of times kids just get shuffled through the system and, and we give up on kids mm-hmm. that, that just, yeah, need, just, just need really like terrible. extra contact or, you know, extra involvement. So that's, that's fantastic. When, um, do you have like a timeline for that, that, that you want to get that? I would love for it to come about 2023. Okay. That's probably pushing it, but I'll, I'll push it. (laughs) No, that's, that's great. And if there's anything that I can do to help, I would love to, to help, you know, just push, yeah, push you, your message um, you or find donate, uh, private schools. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm right. Re- I'm writing that down. Cause I would, would love to help, you know, help in any way. Cause that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So let's wrap up. Cause I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but are there any like quotes that you tend to live by or anything, any specific mantra that it inspires you I, I ask that of all the guests so I always I always pop a quote or a book um oh, do you? yeah are there any like oh, life book. life quotes um, or you don't have to have a book but just um no I mean no I don't read so it's <laughs> fine um but no I just have a very simple one that I just tell the kids it's on the wristband be better I love and that. that's pretty much it. Just don't make excuses and be better. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, lastly, any, any advice to other um, players that are looking to play pro or any other women um, that are out there that, you know, are involved in sport and just any kind of advice that you could give to people? 
Yeah, I think um, to the next generation of players, I think it's important to for them to be extremely and the, how they approach the game, meaning that they should be coachable um, and not think obviously like they're too talented, they're too talented to be coached because I don't believe in that. But and just be open minded to trying maybe new positions because it could happen, happen to me. Mm-hmm. So um, being coachable and being humble when you're younger, just to take in all the information from your coaches and your even your you know, colleagues, fellow teammates to learn from them. And then I just as people, I guess to um, be more mindful of others and maybe just listen a bit more to other people's perspectives and try and learn something new from someone. Um, obviously that's easy for me to say because I'm always forced into those situations because I travel the world. So you're kind of always in a situation where you have to listen to others because it's their their setting, not yours most often. But I think it's been a great skill to have and just to be like kind of comfortable with you know, not always being right or not always seeing things from your perspective because it gives you more more insight and just, you know, better balance of how to see the world, I think. Well, that's fantastic. And, it, you know, when, when you're open to different cultures and understanding people, that allows you to be better, which is what you're your wristband says, and, and, you know, not just right. see, the, see, see the world from your own lens, but understand that everybody's different. Everybody has a different mm-hmm. life experiences, you know, people's perceptions are different and, and that can, that's, that's what makes the world great in my opinion, for sure. Well, Samantha, thank you so, yeah. so, so, so much for your time. And I really appreciate you getting up at, at 6am. Um, we wish you all the best in Australia and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I, when I mean, like, I want to try to help what you're doing, um, off the field with your school. So I'll, I'll get connected with you offline, um, in some way. And if there's okay. any, anything that, that I can do to help spread the word and, you know, maybe make some intros, that would be, that would be my pleasure. So yeah, that would be great. I really, really, really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, good luck, uh, with your season with, with, with Melbourne. And when you get back to California, maybe we can meet up for a coffee or something sometime. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Have a good day.